0: happy easter everybody man how y'all doing today yes yes this is a great day and i just know for me like just coming on here there's been a different buzz and a different light just in the attitude and the joy that's around here because this is a great day isn't it yeah some of you even wore sports jackets today this is unbelievable My boy Caleb, my, uh, my nine-year-old, went out and bought a sports jacket today. He's in a tie and a jacket today. Awesome. He didn't affect me, apparently. But, um, but you know, seriously, I, as we think about Easter today, I am so glad that Easter takes place during the spring. Aren't you? There's something about the spring that's going on right now that I believe God has designed for us to understand what we're going to talk about today. Because here's something you know, and you know this for sure. That right now, we are so excited to dig a hole and throw something in it and bury it with dirt, because we believe that if we do that, what's going to happen? Something's going to grow. Something's going to turn beautiful. And so we're going to walk around. I, I I challenge you, walk out of here today and just see all the flowers and see the buds on the trees and see the beauty that's all around us. And remember, none of that happened without first something falling into the ground and dying. And you know that. You know that for sure. In fact, Jesus said that in John 12. He said, let me just tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it just remains a single seed. And we all believe that. My hope for you and me today is that spiritually, that we would come to an understanding that God, through Jesus Christ, desires in our souls and in our hearts, in our lives for beauty, for glory, for fruit to exude from us. But what Jesus wants us to know is that type of life doesn't happen until first there is a death. And that spiritually death must take place, and whence it does, then there is resurrection life. So happy Easter to all of you, and let's go and let's just pray right now, and then we'll dive in and see what the resurrection of Christ means for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, and we thank you for your presence. You are alive, and we are here, Jesus, because we worship you. We believe in you with all of our heart. We thank you for the beautiful life that you lived, and we thank you for how it drove you right to the cross, the full extent of your love displayed, and then that death could not hold you down, that you have risen from the dead. And Lord, that changed everything. And I pray, I really do, I ask right now that you, by just your presence manifest here, would you open the eyes of all of our hearts. Those of us who've known you for a long time, may you reignite a fire within us because of this truth. And those who are here today, God, who are wondering about you, Jesus, wondering about what Easter really is, may you just come and touch all of us. We know this. We need your grace to even open the eyes of our hearts so we can see and understand And I pray by the power of Christ in us that you might do beautiful things. And we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, you guys, we've been in, if you haven't been with us the last few weeks, we've been in a series that we've called Enigma. And and we're looking at the puzzle of Christ because that's what an an enigma is. It's just a mystery. It's a puzzle. And that while Jesus was here on earth, his life was just that. People were constantly confused, and they couldn't understand who Christ was. And so we took a few weeks ago and we looked at the puzzle of his claim, that Jesus Christ came and claimed to actually be God. And you guys know this, because if you ran into someone today, and they claimed to be God, you would go, okay, well, you have a problem, right, if someone's claiming that. And yet, Jesus very clearly made that claim, but then he backed it up with his life, Jesus had an authority that nobody else had over nature, over illness, over the demonic world. Jesus lived such a righteous life that no one could ever find anything wrong. In fact, even the trial that sent him to his death, they had to make stuff up because they couldn't find things. I don't know, how long would it take somebody to find something wrong in your life? Like like another minute, right? Can you imagine... What it must have been like to have men live every moment of every day for three years with him, to have his own mother and his brothers think that he was actually God. None of us are having our brothers or our mom second-guess that with us, right? This was Christ. So he lived an amazing life, and his claims were backed up by the way he lived. But then two weeks ago, we looked at his freedom. Jesus, he puzzled especially the religious people by his freedom. Jesus was completely free from religion. Does that sound good? And Jesus was completely free from himself. That sounds even better. And it was this freedom that he wasn't committed to his own personal happiness, and he didn't have to live by a bunch of rules that completely was an enigma to people, because that's every human being that's ever walked this planet. And then last week, we looked at the puzzle of his kingdom, And what that means is Jesus said he came, the reason he came was to testify to the truth. And truth means there is a reality. And Jesus came and he said, listen, I have come so that you can understand reality. And he goes, and I'm telling you, there's a king. And it is your God. It is the one who has created you. And he has a way and it is right. And that's what a kingdom is. It's when a king rules and it's his way. And so Jesus said, I've come to make sure that you can understand really who this God is and what it is to know him. And then he lived in that kingdom. So he said, he goes, I never do anything on my own, but I do exactly what my father wants me to do. That's living in the kingdom of God. And we learned that last week. That's when you can say, not my will be done, but yours. And so Jesus showed us what that like was like. And it's so completely upside down. Because he's never, ever thinking about himself, but instead loving God with all of his being and loving every person that he ran into. Now, all of these, the enigma of his claim, the puzzle of his kingdom, the puzzle of his freedom leads us to today. And so today we're going to look at the puzzle of his resurrection. Because I'm telling you what, it's just not normal to have someone die and then rise again. Right? This just doesn't happen. Now, and just so you know, they were freaking out back then too. All right, so let's read the story. If you have your Bibles, it's in Luke chapter 24 is where we're going to be today. And you can pull that up or let's read it together on the screen. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. And they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus And as they stood there, what? Puzzled. Two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified, and they bowed with their faces to the ground. And then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who's alive? I love that. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee. That the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell the 11 disciples and everyone else what what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe it. However, Peter jumped up, he ran to the tomb to look. Stooping, he peered in, he saw the empty linen wrappings, and then he went home again, wondering what had happened. (laughs) Lot of enigma going on here. Did anybody in here get what was going on? Nobody in this story could understand. I love in Mark chapter 16, it says when the women ran from the tomb, it says this. They went out and they fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. Trembling and astonishment had seized them. That word astonishment, it means a throwing of the mind out of its normal state. Isn't that a great definition? Have you ever had your mind thrown out of its normal state? See, and, this is, and why did that happen? Why was, why was their normal state of mind thrown out and they couldn't grasp it? Because someone who they saw dead wasn't dead. And I've shared this before. How many of you have seen, I remember walking into the hospital room and seeing my mom after she passed away. I'd just been there hours before. And I walk into the room and she's dead. And the first thing you know is she's what? She is not there. To have that experience and then to realize that that person who you saw die is now alive, man, they were astonished. The apostles, they couldn't believe it, what they call it nonsense. This makes no sense. And then Peter, even the greatest apostle, right, this Peter walks away and he's wondering. And so we need to know right from the beginning, dead people don't just come alive. I've done tons of funerals. I haven't seen anybody pop out of the casket yet. Right? And if they did, what would happen? My normal state of mind would leave too. And so would yours. The resurrection Is a puzzle. It's an enigma. And for those of us who believe this, let's not forget that. It's an amazing thing that we're declaring today. All right? So, but I wanna share with you today three puzzles that I believe the resurrection actually solves. First one I'm just gonna hit quick and then we're gonna dive into a couple more, okay? Here's the first one The resurrection solves the puzzle of why we're here today. Why are you here? (laughs) Why are there millions of people all around the planet gathering together to worship who? Jesus Christ. Now, here's what we got to understand, you guys. It wasn't just because he was a good teacher, and it wasn't just because he was a good guy. Jesus was a good teacher, and he was a good guy, and he was dead. And so, all of these people who followed him, what were they doing? They were hiding, they were in despair. Because their leader that they had given their life to, they didn't see, they had no hope whatsoever. So his teaching didn't change them. And his life that he lived did not change him. The only thing that changed this group of people was the resurrection. And I want to tell you you don't make up something like this. Here's one of the first things. Can I just hear for the women here in this story, right? So that what happens in the resurrection story? The first people that go is who? The women. So let's hear it for the women. Yeah. All right. Okay, that's, not, that's pretty good. In the first service, it was all high shrills. It was just, it's like, come on, guys. Let's give some, some power to the women there. But here's what you need to understand. If you were going to create, because some people will just say, this didn't happen. These guys just made up this story. The, the first thing you need to understand is if you were going to make up a story that you wanted people to believe, the last thing you did in that culture, because it was so male-dominated, is you wouldn't have the first heroes be the women. You wouldn't do that. Back then, people would just go, didn't happen. It was just crazy women. That's how life was 2,000 years ago. Now, here's the other thing. You don't go make a story up and try to get people to believe it, and you have no personal benefit whatsoever. Why would they lie about this? So here's what you need to do. The only lie, you guys, you only lie for two reasons number one, if you get some sort of selfish advantage, and number two, if you, to protect another person, and by their declaration, did they save their lives? No, they lost their lives, and did it protect those they loved? No, it caused other people to die. You, you don't make up this sort of thing. The change that happened in these men, that radically moved them from people who were scared to death, hiding into boldly declaring this, again, was not his teaching. It wasn't his life. It's because they saw their Lord die and rise again. And when that happens, you guys, that was the birth of Christianity. It's not a bunch of teachings. It's an event in history that transformed life. So that's that one. Now, I want to share with you a couple things that the resurrection solves. And I want to sit with these two. The first one is this. The resurrection, I believe, solves the puzzle of our hearts. The resurrection solves the puzzle of our hearts. Let's look at Peter. So Peter was one of his apostles. The guy who ran in, saw the stuff, went out wondering what had happened. He writes this in chapter 1 of 1 Peter, verse 18 and 19. He says, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver, it was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. You know, Peter was trying to help them remember, that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life that you have inherited from your ancestors. What does that mean? Here's the puzzle that I believe the resurrection wants to solve for us, is why is it that my life can feel so empty? Why is it that I can come to a place where I don't feel a deep satisfaction and a fulfillment no matter what I do? Now you under, need to understand this word "empty." The actual meaning of it is it meaning is a void of result. It means incapable of producing any useful result. And what's crazy to me is that even here in America, where we have so many things at our fingertips, we can gather so much stuff, and yet we can still feel empty. Isn't it crazy? I mean, you can be married and have the best spouse. You can have wonderful kids, live in a dream home. You can live in a great neighborhood, have a a job that you love, live in this beautiful place that we do, have total recreation, and still feel empty. Why is that not enough? And what's crazy about this, you guys, is, is sometimes we get it, and, we, and, and you say, man, some people have done it and they've got the best job and they've accumulated tons of resource and they have get all of the, everything that they feel like they, that all of the rest of us would love to have. And once they've got it all, what do they need? More. Why is that? What is it about this puzzle of our hearts? The Bible says that there is an empty life that's been handed down to us. And actually, what the scriptures also say, since it's void of producing results, the Bible says that even though you are alive and you're breathing, you are spiritually dead. There is a death that's inside of us spiritually. And so there's something wrong. There's something broken in us. And really, this empty life, you guys, is simply the life that is dedicated to its self. This is the inheritance that we have all received. We have all received an empty way of life. And the empty way of life is do it yourself. You can do it. And so one of the things the Bible tells us is that we're a slave to sin. And that's it, a slave to this dedication to ourself. And so that's why we can sit there and we go, that's why we're never satisfied. Because I try this, I I get this job and then I get this relationship, and I have all these accolades, and all I want, you already said it, is I want more. Or what happens when you do get the job, and you lose it? Or you find the relationship, and all of a sudden, that person leaves you. What happens if your health abandons you? See, now all of a sudden, there is an emptiness that can take place inside of us. And so what happens then is we pursue some other things, whether we've gained everything that we can imagine and we still need more, why? Or we got some things and we lost them. Then we go on some different pursuits. And some of you in this room, the the pursuit that you went after was substantive. You went to alcohol, or you went to drugs, and you said either I need more stimulation because this isn't working, or when you lost the things that you were going after, it caused such an emptiness and such a pain in your life that you've been seeking to numb that with stuff. For those, for those and some of you I know, and you're battling that, and you're fighting that, and I want to say, way to go. Now, some of you, you just go out and you buy more stuff. Anybody? <laughs> oh, come on, you Americans, right? <laughs> I mean, Seriously. We're sitting there and there's such a dedication to our own happiness that we get stuff. And then once you purchase it, especially in this day and age, as soon as you buy it, the new one's out, right? And you got to have the new thing or you just have to have more. And our closets are just full of stuff because we think if I just get more, somehow that will satisfy me. Or we go from relationship to relationship. Man, this person did it for me for a while, And now they don't make me feel what they used to. So I'm done with that one, and I'll go to the next one. It is an empty way of life, being committed to yourself. Now, let's flip it, and let's talk. I'm going to do it quickly, because I've been talking about this the last couple weeks. But even spiritually, there's a spiritual deadness. And what Jesus said, he goes, man, I have come, because I have to reveal to you some reality. And sometimes what happens is in the spiritual world, we will feel like we need to somehow prove to God that we are good enough for Him, that we can gain God's favor. And what's crazy, you guys, as soon as you're making every effort, this would be this religion thing again, as soon as you are trying to prove to God that you're good enough to gain His favor, there's really only one person that you're focused on, and who is it? Isn't that crazy? Next thing you know, this God thing even actually started to become about you and how you can perform. And that's where Jesus really came and he said, oh my gosh, you guys, that is the empty way of life. There is nothing but death in self-righteousness, right? Because if you actually are a person who's trying to prove to God that you're worthy enough for God to love you and you feel like you achieve it, then you become what? Proud. Then you are a proud person. And then, maybe even worse, or I don't know, they're both, but on the other side, if you are trying to prove to God how good you are and you can't do it, then you just go home and you're filled with shame. How's that for some fruit? (laughs) Do you guys see this? how that is dead? That is an empty way of life. You can only become proud if you are self-righteous and you can only be filled with shame if you tried and you couldn't do it. And Jesus came, and man, that's when he looked at the religious people, and he said, you guys are whitewashed tombs. You are dead inside. And so, you guys, what's so great about Easter is there's a puzzle of our hearts. Well, then how do I get spiritually connected to God? How do I get my heart satisfied and filled And what we understand is we need to come to the point where we understand that that at its core, whether it's self-dedication to your happiness or self-righteousness, both of those things are saying, I don't need God. I don't need God to fulfill me. I'll do it myself. I don't need God to make me righteous. I'll be righteous myself. And both of those things kill us. I love how Paul said it. He said this, what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. See, he's, what he's taught, he's about my, my life, my soul is dead. Who will rescue me from that? And then he goes on, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus came and the death and the resurrection of Christ are the answer to the puzzle of our life. Hearts, Colossians 1, 13 and 14 put it this way. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he's brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And how did that start? For you know that God paid a ransom to save you. So here's what he's saying is, you guys, you're a slave. It's like, you, I want you back. When you, if you pay a ransom, that means you've lost something. If you redeem something, you mean you had something and it got lost, and then you paid a price so that God could get you back. And that was the death of Jesus. Jesus came to forgive you, to save you from this sin. And the sin ultimately is you saying, I don't need God I'll do it myself. And as soon as you confess that sin, then Jesus and his death God I love this I'm so grateful personally. I was driving in this morning going, why do I love this so much? One of the reasons I love this so much is because I am never going to experience the punishment for all my sin. Anybody else glad about that? Now here's the deal. You need please hear this. God punishes sin. And the punishment for sin is death. Some of you are already experiencing this death because you're separated from God. And so ultimately, when you die and there's still sin in you, you will be separated from God. That's the price. So there's a ransom that must be paid. And Jesus goes, I'll pay it. And that's what I'm just saying. So it's up to you. It's up to me. Do you want to pay for your sin? Or would you like someone else to pay for it? I'm all in Jesus. (laughs) Bring it on. The puzzle of your heart gets answered. But he goes on and he says this, right? In 1 Peter 1, 3, Praise be to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Oh, is that up there? Can we put out that up there? 1 Peter 1, 3? I'm sorry? Oh, it's fuzzy. Go ahead, read that. You guys, that huh? you guys having a problem with that? We have special glasses that we can hand you. So I'm just kidding. All right. All right, so here we go. So we won't put it up there. But, here's, but, don't, but catch this. We have um, God the Father, praise the Lord, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What does that mean? Because Jesus, when he died, rose from the dead, that means he's living. And so what he told his disciples, because they were all freaking out, remember? He was trying to tell them, you guys, you gotta understand, I'm gonna die. And they're like, no, you can't die. But in John 16, 7, he says, very truly I tell you, it's for your good that I am going away, unless I go away, the Advocate or the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And in John 14, 20, Jesus said, On that day, you will realize I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Now, there's another verse. I apparently won't be up there. Colossians 1, 27 Says to us, God has chosen to make known to the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. There it is. There's a mystery that's been hidden for ages and generations. And he says, The mystery is Christ. Oh, there it is. The mystery. <laughs> what an enigma. The mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory, the hope of glory is Christ actually lives in me. So you guys, this is where Easter makes all the difference. This is why the death the death takes care of your sin so that you are forgiven. But the resurrection means that Jesus Christ is alive and the beauty of the Christian faith is that we are reconciled back to God and we receive the gift of his very spirit who now lives inside of me and once I have the spirit of God inside of me I really start to understand the answer to the puzzle of my heart why can't I say yes to God anybody else struggle to say yes to God Well that we all are we're human Why do we struggle to love each other so much? I don't know about you. I struggle to love you. Do you struggle to love me? Okay, good. In the first service, somebody goes, yes. And I'm like, okay, we'll we'll talk later. Um, No, but you know, no, the truth is you can't get close to another human being and not struggle to love them. And what the resurrection does is as soon as you put your faith in Christ, The mystery, the puzzle, the enigma is Jesus is alive. And he comes and he puts his very spirit inside of you and now you have the power of the one who always said yes to his father inside of you to help you say yes to God. That's the only way it can happen. In fact, that's why Jesus could say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. You know what he was saying is? Nobody will ever put God at the center of their life on their own. Do you not know that? I don't know about you. I know that. The only way I can get into the kingdom of God where God is the center of my life is I actually needed to have a new birth through the resurrection of Christ. And that new birth is I had a, something spiritual happened in my heart where I became a new person. And I I tell you, I get so frustrated because people who want to be really spiritual, like Christianity is the last place they look. And you know why? Because I think most of the time they walked into a church and they saw self-righteousness. They walked into a church and they said, man, that's just a bunch of people who are proud or really down because they haven't been able to be good enough for God or they think they are. And now, you know what I'm saying? Where's where's the church that just says, no, I know I'm messed up, but now I have a power inside of me. And it's allowed me to start loving God. And can you imagine? Because here's what I know about Jesus. He looks at every person in this room and he goes, I made you. I think you rock. You're beautiful. You're He's just crazy about you. Can you imagine if that spirit came inside your heart? You know what would happen? You would actually be able to look at every person in this room with the eyes of Christ. That would be unbelievable. You know what that would be? the church as God meant it to be. A bunch of people filled with his spirit, no self-righteousness, totally a gift from God, able to say yes to him and able to love each other. You guys, it's the answer to the puzzle of our hearts. No more self-dedication to happiness, no more self-righteous religion, free from both those things because Christ is alive. That's it. And really quickly, last thing. The resurrection also solves the puzzle of our future. It solves the puzzle of our future. Here we go. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. You guys, we have a living hope Why is it that it is so hard to face suffering in this world? Why is it so hard to face disability and disease? Why is it so hard to do the right thing in this world if you know it's going to actually cost you either monetarily or your reputation or maybe your life? Why is it so hard to face your own death or the death of a loved one? Why? It's really hard if this broken world is the only one you live for. If this is all you got and it's not working, that's despair. But if Jesus Christ's resurrection has done anything for us, it has shown us there is something after this life. And it is the kingdom of God in its fullness. It is the place where he makes everything right. And so, if your relationships are broken and you're lonely, you can know that someday, man, in the kingdom of God, it will be a room full of, it will be a world filled with transformed hearts who really love. If you're sick, can you imagine knowing that every from now until the day I die, I'm going to suffer physically, but you know this isn't the end, and someday there will be no more illness, there will be no more pain, there will be no more sickness, there will be no more sin. See, it gives us the answer to the puzzle of our future. And it gives us a living hope, which is unbelievable. And let me close with this, John eleven twenty five 25 and 26. Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? I mean, I I, I just, if Jesus could stand here in the flesh today on Easter, this is what he would say to you. Now, can I show you a couple really cool things very quickly? Number one, look at the line in verse 25 when it says, the one who believes in me will live even though he dies. Guess what tense that we will is of that verb? What is it? It's future. It's future. If you believe in Christ, And you guys all know you're going to die, right? Okay. Though you die, future, you will live. Do you believe this, he says. But what's interesting, now go to verse 26. He says, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Guess what tense that verb is? Whoever lives. It's present tense. Isn't that cool? See, both, when you put your faith in Christ... Though you're going to die, you will live. But as soon as you put your faith in Christ, what happens now? Anybody? You live. See, this is where Jesus says, you guys, this is eternal life. And life begins now. The kingdom of God starts to take place now. Jesus is alive now to come inside of you. So his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his security and your soul takes root. You have a living hope now, but it's kept as an inheritance for you in heaven forever. And what he's saying to you this morning on Easter is, do you believe that? Because if you do, Though you die, you will live. And if you do believe this, you will start living now. And the deposit of the Spirit now is the security of knowing that you will forever. And I just got to tell you, I got to tell you, He is the resurrection. You're not. You do not have eternal life within yourself. And if you die, without Christ's gift of eternal life, you will die. And there is separation from God. We are dead now, and we'll just continue in that state. But if you put your faith in Christ, there is a new birth, and God's Spirit will come inside you. You will enter the kingdom of God. You will be able to say yes to God, and you will be able to love each other, and you will do it for eternity. And that is the hope of Easter. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming here and revealing to us what it is to live. Thank you for revealing to us the puzzle of our hearts. Why are we so dissatisfied? Why are we so caught up within our own self? Why do we pursue things in our own nature more than we love you and more than we love each other? We are so grateful that you've come to reveal to us the kingdom of God that there is a greater reality and that it is a kingdom that lasts forever. And Lord, I pray today that for every one of your kids that today on this Easter Sunday they would be reminded that they have an inheritance, no longer inheriting the empty life that came from our ancestors, but now receiving a new inheritance from Jesus Christ, the very presence of his spirit within us, securing the fact that we will live forever. So Jesus, we worship you as a risen Savior, alive today and living within us. And we ask for that blessing right now. And Lord, I pray for everyone who's considering who you are. May this word, your declaration, your invitation, pierce our hearts so we can receive you, believe in you, and have eternal life. And we ask for it in Jesus' name, amen. So here's what's going to happen. You're going to have some time to worship. And then at the end of the service, lad is going to give you an invitation. And I just want to encourage you, some of you in here, you have never said yes to Jesus. He said, do you believe this? And at this point, you've said no. But today, do you understand why he came to die and why he came to live again? That he came to set you free, to forgive you of your sin. And he came so he could live within you. Put the kingdom of God inside of you so you could live now. And so that when you die, you'll live. He is the only way to the Father. And I want you to consider that declaration of the risen Christ as you worship him now. And then at the end of the service, be ready to come and pray and respond and let him come inside you and watch new life. Believe like you do that the seed dies to create beauty, that if you'll surrender your life to Christ today, he will make beauty out of you. God bless you. Let's worship.